Welcome to The Raw's Project, a podcast covering no bullshit, 100% real, raw, and unfiltered rags to riches stories from amazing human beings around the world with emphasis on life, personal development, family tech, and marketing. Of course, I'm your host, Ivan Temelkov. And today I have with me Carol Baneos. Is that correct? I pronounced that correctly? I suck at last names. What can okay, I say? You don't call my last name banana. So, you know, <laughs> go with whatever you can say. <laughs> well, Kara, it's, it's, uh, it's great to have you finally on the podcast. And um, I know that me and you previously chatted for quite a while on WhatsApp and uh, felt some great, great synergy there. So, but before we dive into your story, I want to introduce you to viewers and listeners and tell them a little bit about you and who you are. So you're the CEO and co-founder of Business Snapshot, founder of Wake the Fuck Up Movement, um, the number one best-selling author for Wake the Fuck Up, A Journey from Death to Awakening, an entrepreneur, creator, life coach, blogger, psychic, and clairvoyant. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, also a graduate of the Asper School of Business from the University of Manitoba, um, a Bachelor of Commerce Honors Degree with a double major in Human Resources and Marketing, also a Bachelor of Arts Degree with a major in Psychology and a minor in Business Management, along with a Certification in Life, Executive Coaching, and Neurolinguistic Programming, that's NLP, following your passion for helping others you pursued a career as a human resource consultant. So uh, I have to ask, what is a clairvoyant? So, you know, if I would be able to describe it the way I, I see things that other people are not able to see. Mm-hmm. So I see you, but I see through you. And, you know, I was having a challenging time to kind of summarize what it is that I do. And one of my friends gave me an amazing testimonial. So I summarized it as being able to be uh, an archaeologist of the mind, body, and soul, because I can uncover your genius, but I can also identify the inner shit that keeps you held hostage. Okay. Okay. All right. So I totally love that. And in mm-hmm. fact, it's so it's also simultaneously scary as fuck, because <laughs> it makes me wonder what the hell is floating in my mind that I don't know about, or what's my spiritual energy, I should say, projecting. But we can talk about that in a little bit, maybe. Let's start off with, so when me and you connected, and it was on Clubhouse, mm-hmm. uh, out of all places, uh, yeah. which I just found out that Clubhouse changed their icon on the app. There's a different dude on yeah. there now. Yeah. So me and you connected on there, and you know what was fascinating about that, and this is also the power of social, I believe, is that how our conversation escalated to WhatsApp. You know, had this been like 10 years ago, most people are like, what the fuck are you doing talking to a stranger or even 15 years ago? Right. So but I want to take things back and, and start from the beginning, because you have a very, very interesting story and you've been through a lot of shit. So let's start off with, you know, maybe start off with your childhood and then into segueing to your story about what happened five years ago. Okay. So first of all, Evan, I just want to kind of thank you for taking the time to have me as a guest on your show, The Ross Project. So, you know, with my childhood, it was really um, tumultuous, to be honest. Like I, my dad Mm -hmm. was pretty much a monster um, because the way we got disciplined when we're children is that we got physically abused. So I remember, you know, there was one instance where me and my siblings, he put us Mm -hmm. on a coffee table. And he had like marching music in the background. And if we didn't um, raise our knees high enough, he would whip us. And there's times where we would be held prisoner in our house uh, because he thought someone was going to kill us. And so, um, you know, I snuck out a couple of times and I just got like the beating of my life. But then I I became numb to a lot of things. And there's times where it was just so bad. We had to put him in a psych ward because he tried to kill my mom and all this other stuff. 
And so it was a really tumultuous uh, upbringing, you know, and then in addition to that, living in like, would people classify like the ghetto? So uh, there is just kind of discrimination and there's stereotypes that if you live in a certain area, all you're bound to do is, you know, become a prostitute or go to jail or, um, you know, become pregnant and not have a life of your own. And then kind of leading up to the incident that you were talking about five years ago is actually more seven years ago. Um, my brother, he came out of jail and he wanted a second chance at life. So he asked me to put a business underneath my name. Uh, and, you know, for me, I didn't think anything of it and I just did it. And then fast forward two years after that, I get a phone call from the cop saying, Carol, you got to come home because uh, we have to question you about your brother. So I'm like, okay, I get home. My condo was raided and I found myself in the back of a, a cop car and in jail for about two weeks. And it was probably the worst fucking <laughs> experience that I've ever had in my life because yeah. for the first four days I was in the hole and I didn't even know what was going on. I didn't know um, what date was, what time it was. It was, it was just such an uncomfortable situation. And, you know, that kind of went on. Um, I was in and out of jail for the last, uh, for I think six years. But what happened is that after I got out of jail for the, those first two weeks, you know, a lot of things just, um, the shit hit the fan basically. So yeah. I lost everything, I lost my job. But then a core thing that I really identified was is that I lost everything, but then I also had everything. That I wasn't, um, I wasn't my title, I wasn't my material, I wasn't my status, I wasn't any of those things. I was much more. I was a spiritual being having a human experience on this earth. And it was really up to me to really kind of become a victim of my circumstance or a victor of it. And so when all that stuff happened, you know, I went from working a professional career and then becoming a professional toilet cleaner, you know, and it was really, it was really a, a yeah. challenging time, but I looked at it as a, a transitionary period, you know? And so while I was kind of going through that transitionary period, I, you know, when I lost everything before I got into that cleaning job, I, I just kind of sat down and I spent a whole year of personal development, six to eight hours a day diligently, because I didn't want to revert back to the person before yeah. I went back to jail. So I just went straight into it. And, you know, throughout that six year period, you know, I had a curfew at nine o'clock, you know, I couldn't travel, I couldn't talk to certain people, and I had to remain prisoner in my own house, <laughs> you know, I couldn't wow. step outside the door. So when I went to jail the first time for two weeks, you know, I went through the whole trial, you know, I went and after uh, getting the decision from the trial, I lost it, I had to go back to jail again. And yeah. then I went through the appeal, uh, lost the appeal. And then I had to go back to jail again. And then I was uh, wanting to apply for the Supreme Court of Canada because I believed that I was going to get all my charges um, acquitted because I didn't have, you know, I just dealt with the bank. So they were calling me like willfully blind and I should have ought to know. And I, essentially what I think they did is that they wanted to use me as an example because my brother didn't come forward and, you know, do whatever he needed to do. So I think they just kind of uh, used me as a scapegoat. And so uh, I, I believe it was on February 14th on 2019, I get a text from my uh, lawyer saying that they're not going to hear your case and you have to submit yourself into custody immediately. So, you know, and then I was in, in jail for, I think, uh, like eight months or so. Wow. Yeah. Okay. I'm yeah. Okay. I'm trying to process all of this as you were explaining it. So and let me see where I want to start because I want to unpack this. So all the way back to those first two weeks, right? Can you recall what was going through your mind? What were you thinking at that time? Like, this is all happening and you're wondering, what the fuck? Why is this happening? What you, you were basically wrongfully accused and accomplice to something that you didn't do. And it also sounds like you weren't even given the chance in a, in a justice system to prove just that because you were automatically accused uh, as being guilty. Mm -hmm. And so what I'm curious in knowing, and, and the reason I'm asking this question is because when, when traumatic events happen to us, we fall in a state of chaos mm -hmm. uh, as human beings. And we fall in a state of chaos. I think it, it, it's obviously bad, but it's also good. And here's why it's bad is because 
this was happening to you and you were like, what the fuck? But it's good because it forced you to think. It forced you to start getting some clarity around like, how do, how do I get out of this? And so that's what I want to know is in those two weeks, it felt probably like the longest two weeks of your life. I'm pretty sure. Well, it, it was, it was, uh, it was quite something because the thing is when you mm -hmm. were taken from a, a situation and I was like, I remember when I was in the back car of uh, the backseat of the police car, the guy was just asking me all these questions and I was so blank and, and I was really paralyzed because I didn't know what was going on. Yeah. And when I mean, the interrogation room for hours and upon hours, they were just asking me, you know, what is this? What is this? And I honestly didn't even know what the fuck they were talking about, you know? And then like, I just remember like tears going down my face because I didn't know, like, like, why the fuck is this happening to me? What did I do to deserve something like this? You know? And then you get put in another concrete room. So it was just like being placed in an environment that, um, you didn't, you would never even think in a million years that you'd be placed in and then having to have the, the mental capacity to not lose your shit, you know, because when you're in right. like, um, the fu fucking solitude and stuff like that, you don't like, it, it's, it was very heartening because, and challenging because people already perceived me as a criminal with not even knowing my story, you know, and it was so yeah. cold in that, in that room. And I was like, I need a sweater. They're like, you know, they wouldn't even answer. I need water. They don't even give a fuck. So it's it's just not. You weren't a person. You were just a number of prisoner. So that was very challenging. And then when I went out in the you know the general population, as you would call it, it was very uh, it was very different to be around a lot of different people because you know there's murderers or people there like and sometimes right. you don't know people are there to kind of just say things to you to scare you because I remember one time I was having breakfast and they're like oh that girl like you know. Um, hit, some, um, hit somebody in the head with an axe. I'm like, yeah, right. That didn't really happen. And so for me, I'm curious, right? So I sit down there and I'm like, uh, so yeah. So you now people are telling me that um, you, uh, why are you in here? I'm just curious. And she's like, oh, I hit somebody over the head with an axe, but it was a love tap. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> you know? So it was very um, interesting. And then when yeah. I saw my family, you know, since I was so welled up with emotions, like I broke down and cried because I'm like I want to get the fuck out of here I want to get the fuck out of here now because it was just such an innovation of my privacy because one thing I'm, I'm very introverted so just to have to share my space around a bunch of strangers it was very a challenging thing to have to go through yeah but at the end of the day like you know things are how they are and and if you are able to bring build your mental capacity to to know that I'm like okay this happened but I have to be able to rise up above my situation and um, make this build my emotional muscle to withstand it rather than revert and be scared and hide in the corner. Because at the end of the day, there's so much shit that goes on in everyone's life. And it's like, again, if are you gonna, are you gonna wither and fall when something happens to you? Or are you gonna rise up? No matter how difficult right. and tumultuous this whole situation was, um, look at today, as I stand, I'm very grateful for whatever happened to me because of the lessons and the character building that, um, it has allowed me to go through. Wow. Um, I, I literally was so focused as you were explaining this, that I think I must've lost the train of thought. Mm -hmm. So one thing actually I wanted to mention, we'll save this towards the end of the episode, but, um, one thing that, uh, I wanted to share with viewers and listeners that's unique about you is that you're real as fuck, radically honest, and have psychic and clairvoyant abilities that allows you to see people and pass their bullshit. So we're going to do something very extreme towards the end of this episode. Sure. I'm going to ask you point blank is what you see in me, because mm -hmm. I think, first of all, I'm very curious and again, being brutally honest also. But before we get to that, we're not done with your story yet. Mm -hmm. Now, you said something that I, I think a lot of people, so the entrepreneurial community, human beings specifically, uh, this specific podcast is very heavy on entrepreneurs and go-getters, on dreamers, people who have had, you know, tough pasts also, or have made, have made bad choices also. And now they, they've been able to live through that. And now they have emerged on the other side. But here's one thing is that you said people will always make, most people will make assumptions rather than question. Mm -hmm. They always will. 
because it's easier to it's easier to assume than to question. So as you were explaining your story in those first two weeks, I felt like probably the longest two weeks of your life, not to mention as what was about to happen after that, that you completely were incoherent about is that 99% of the people that were surrounding you during those two weeks automatically assumed that you were guilty. They automatically assumed that you were guilty rather than to question it because you want to know why optimism literally is practically not existent in our world because people choose to assume and believe whatever they wish. And I want to go deep into this because I think we have three different realities. So there's your reality, my reality and the reality of the world. So, you know, we can influence our own reality but we can't influence the reality of the world because those are things, the externals that we cannot change. And it's so fucking saddening. It really is. It's so fucking saddening. And you actually brought up a really good point because when you said that everybody assumed that you were guilty, like, yeah, whatever, fuck you, you know, uh, you're guilty. You're here, you know, automatically assume. Now something about when you brought this up, got me thinking, about, I think it's the justice system in the United States specifically, is the ethical approach they have towards people. Because even though they might be murderers or whatever, they're still human beings, you know? And no human being, whether guilty or not guilty, should be treated like a fucking cockroach. That's literally what it seemed like you were being treated, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody assumed that you were guilty. Yeah, but, but I think that the, the most important key thing is that for me, it's, it's really none of my business what other people think and view me as. And it took a long time for me to realize it. And sometimes, yep. yeah, people say things and they hurt me a little bit, but I don't allow it to stick it within me because the most important thing that anybody should be focusing on is what yep. they view their self as, you know? And the thing is, yep. another thing that I realized, you know, this a quote that I uh, came up with in regards to my experience in jail, you don't know how important personal and spiritual development is until you're locked in a cage you know that's powerful yeah because i was locked in you know so many different rooms for so long and i remember um that what came to me what i realized is that if you know who you truly are you're authentic as fuck real as fuck it doesn't matter what environment that you're placed into because you're going to be able to adapt when i was in prison my physical body was in prison, but my mind wasn't. So when I was in, you know, this last stretch of eight months, like it didn't change who I was. I was still coaching people. I was still helping people, you know, and even some of the guards that were there, I was coaching them through stuff. And at that point in time, since I was so um, strong in my being in essence, they knew I didn't belong there. They thought I was a, a narc uh, on that show, Undercover Boss, you know what I mean? And all those other <laughs> things. And they asked me to speak in front of 80 different organizations to share my story because what happened to me can truly happen to anyone, especially if yeah. you have enough discernment and, you know, of the naivety of things, right? Of just wanting to help. Yeah. Mm. Um, that's a very valid point. And, and I want to, what you said about it, you have to find content within yourself. Mm-hmm. That's the most, I agree with you. That's the most important thing. And I think in this digital world that we live in specifically and social media uh, as well as, you know, a lot of people are so worried about the perception that everybody else has of them so much that they're for, they forget about themselves. And I'm saying this because I've gone through similar experiences, obviously not as extreme as, you know, the experiences that you had with what happened to you and your story. But I do know what it feels like to wake up every day and seem like you're living a life for somebody else Mm -hmm. because others have expectations of you. And if you don't fulfill those expectations, you're worthy. You don't have self-esteem. You're no good. When in fact, you need to decide for yourself. Yeah. What, what do I want? Okay. Whether, whether it's good or bad. If you make good choices, you reap the rewards. You make bad choices, you reap the repercussions. 
And I think that's amazing that you said that, Evan, because, you know, people need to know the distinction between personal fulfillment and economic potential. And, you know, when I was going throughout my um, growing up, people are like, okay, it's, you have to go to school and get a good job. And so, yes, I was conditioned to know, think that I have to go to university for seven years. And I right. worked as a HR consultant for seven years in the, in the government because I was pursuing that economic potential because I thought that right. would bring happiness. But I was fucking miserable as fuck. And so when I woke the fuck up and realized that's not what I wanted to do, then I started to focus on personal fulfillment. You know, what was yeah. in line? me and not caring what people were perceived me as and not living my life for someone else you know because at the end of the day if you're people pleasing wearing masks there's all this facade other people like you but guess what you yourself hate yourself and that is a shitty place to be and so when yep. you look at personal fulfillment fulfilling what you love and what you're aligned with the economic potential will come you know, and why do you think so many people like celebrities, artists and everything, they lose all that material things because they identify with it. And so what they, they do drugs, they commit suicide because they're identifying their thing, their self, even their being with a couple letters is right. house, wife and all right. this other things. So people need to know that they're more than that. And when they realize that they're more than that, then they can lose everything, but really they still have everything because they're not, they're not who they are based on the things that they have. Yeah. You know, it's so ironic you said that because uh, I'm someone who barely graduated high school, dropped out of college two years in and had such huge expectations from my family because I would have been the first to graduate college in my entire family. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, when you were talking about this is that for my for majority of my life, I was led with go to school, get a job you know, save some money, get married, have kids, retire, die. Right. And something inside of me from a very early age, probably back to 13 years old, really spoke to me that I, I wanted more. I knew I had more to offer, but I was so latched on to, like you said, the economic drive, because that's how most of society operates, right, is from an economic standpoint. Right. If you're not making enough money, if you don't have a good job, if you don't have high enough education, fuck all that. Honestly, most of that doesn't even matter. What matters is purpose and passion coming from the heart. Who are you and are you striving to improve yourself? And then the economic comes, like you said. Mm -hmm. In fact, when we look at some of the most successful companies in the world, that's how they were started. Google started in a garage. Two guys tinkering around on computers, mm -hmm. Apple, right? But I think in these modern times, that differentiation that you described has been scrutinized. It has been scrutinized by, by the different systems that exist in society. And I'm personally a huge fan because I, I followed my passion. I, I followed what, what called me. Uh, now having a strong wine, having having a strong purpose. You know, the purpose is to help people. My wife is my family. It's my kids. It's my wife. That literally gets me up every day. You know, am I worried about money? Fuck no. The money came, but it wasn't the money came first, then the purpose and the passion and the why. And that's where people, mm -hmm. I think, have it backwards. So that's why, and then we chatted a little bit about this before we hit record, is just that I think now you acknowledge that things happened for a reason to you. It, it was actually a yes. test. It really was, believe it or not. It was a test to show if you were mentally and physically strong enough to receive what's to come. Yeah. I think you have. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's funny that you said that because while I was in jail, I, I read this quote yeah. and I kind of say it a lot of times because it is key to what you just said. Um, yeah. It was a quote that said that the best students in life get the hardest test. And it, it's not scholastically, you know, it's yeah. about life experiences. So, you know, when you go through these things and they happen to you again, are you going to falter? Are you going to break down? Or are you going to have your breakthrough? Right. And I think about everything that I went through, even as a child, like, you know, when I would get like physically beaten by my dad and I would sneak out 
and then come and know that I'm going to get <laughs> like beaten if I sneak out. I'm doing it anyways. But I look at all of those things as myself building emotional muscle, because now if I'm going to be putting myself out there, I know there's going to be people that are for me and people that are against me. They're going to pull up articles or whatever. So fucking what? But at the end of the day, it's like, are you going to be able to withstand what is to come and I believe what has happened to me has allowed yeah. me to be my character but then also that emotional muscle to deal with the stuff that's going to come you know um to to flip it to a spiritual card for a second and I want to go back to your story um because because there's more to share on that but the spiritual card of this is so uh, Jesus Christ dying on the cross was the ultimate sacrifice for humanity. Basically, it's one of the most unexplained things, right? But even so, last year we had a death in the family. A dear family member passed away. Sorry and thank you. And now, being almost a year later, it's made me realize that you know God takes the best first. And the more I think about it, I'm like, isn't that fucked up? Like, why, why would God take the, the, the best, his best soldiers first? The people that were the most humbling, you know, and this family member basically put everybody else before him. It was the one that would cook the Thanksgiving, make sure the Christmas presents were wrapped, make sure, always put everybody else, right? And so, when you were saying this is, I, I, I think it was the ultimate challenge for you. It was the ultimate challenge. And it's actually even to set the spiritual card aside for a second is why do challenges exist in the first place to test mental and physical toughness? Why does American Ninja Warrior exist? Right? So there's a principle, a principle constant in all of this, right? Not just the spiritual so, but as you were going through all of this, you were questioning everything. Now you were, everybody else wasn't, you were, because you were trying to find answers, right? You were trying to find answers as to why the fuck is this happening to me? What the fuck did I do? Right? Because you knew deep inside. And, and that's where most people, I think, you know, go astray when something bad happens because they, they'll pull the victim card and say, well, I did something and start to blame themselves even though they didn't do anything because you do not, it didn't do anything to end up in jail. Well, the thing is, it's almost like when things happen to your life, I think that the people need to take another point of view, a different perspective, because yes, mm -hmm. this happened to me, but I also have to recognize my responsibility in allowing this to happen. You know, yeah. I did say yes to helping him. So I had some cause in that factor, mm. you know, so it, it's really, it's a, it's a really tough pill to swallow, but in order to really understand what you're going through, you can't go through uh, the lens of a victim. You have to look at it from all aspects. So you really learn because everybody, you know, I don't know you probably heard about this um, thing that people talk about bounce back. Who the fuck wants to bounce back? I do not want to bounce yeah. back person I was in 2014 because if, if this situation ever happened again not in this capacity because I never will go to jail again you know then I don't want to bounce back to that individual with that same mindset I want to be able to um, transcend that situation so when it's uh, approaching me again it's like okay no. this is what it is I when you transcend it you react to it differently so it doesn't phase you so never want to bounce back to who you were before. Always look at transcending because that's where real growth happens. And that's not, and that's very well said. Actually, I haven't thought about that when you said bounce back. Who the fuck wants to bounce back? If you bounce back, you go back to square A. <laughs> you don't yeah. want to be there. You know, it's a it's a like you said, it's a transcendence. It's an evolution into it's kind of like I think most people allow their past to dictate their future. That's why they're stuck in the past is because, and honestly, I was stuck in the past for 10 years because bullied all through high school and even sometimes still having some flashbacks, I allowed 10 years of my life basically to be meaningless because I was stuck on, you know, the, the, the hatred and the justice that I wanted to find as to why did this crazy motherfucker, you know, pull me by the hair, call me names or punch me in the face, you know, like just you know, destroyed what should have been the best years of my life. Mm -hmm. But then I voluntarily allowed 10 years of my life to get over it. 
I. And like you said, it was a very important message that you said that you had a contributing factor because you chose out of goodwill from the bottom of your heart to help your brother. And isn't it so, well, mesmerizing really of how a good act of kindness can backfire. Mm-hmm. Isn't that fucked up? Because isn't that what they teach us that, well, you know, act graciously, right? And always do good, you know, leap of faith. But you did that and it backfired on you. Yeah. And, and, you know, at that time when that happened, I never want to help anyone ever again. I'm like, this is what I get for helping people. You know, right. I, I realized, and that's why I wrote my first book is that, you know, I could help people, but I can help them in a different capacity sure. and I can share my story, no matter how, you know, challenging it was, if I can help inspire someone so they can know what I went through and not have to go through the same thing, then I need to share that so I can help serve humanity in, in a way that I can with my story, with my message and with my experience. So, yeah. you know, it just, it just became <clears throat> a burning desire to do that, you know? You know, something interesting that we talked about earlier uh, as well that you mentioned, and this is in relation to your story, is you should tell your story to the rest of the world and more and more people. And I'm excited for you to do that. But tell the story with zero expectations from anyone or anything and tell your story to create impact. In fact, impact is one of the core values in my business is to create impact, to create impact in other people's lives. And when you have zero expectations, honestly, and you graciously go out there and share your story, then you allow the free will in other human beings to choose whether or not they want to embrace and learn from it. But that's their choice. And you shouldn't look for gratification in that because I think that's one of the things that people I've seen people who have, you know, gone from rags to riches and feel like, you know, if they share their story, then ultimately everyone is supposed to resonate with it. No, they won't. And neither should you worry about it. What you should be doing is just share your story because you're looking to create impact. I'm not saying that that's what you're doing. I'm just saying I'm using as a comparison to what others do because you can create impact in the world. And that's why you should be telling your story, but don't have the expectations that everyone's going to resonate with it. In fact, there's going to be people that won't, there's going to be people who are going to bash it and say, Oh, she deserves what she got. But that's when you walk and say, you know what, you know, being humble, right. And saying, I have my story. It's about impact because, you know, I've gone through similar circumstances and I know, especially with social media, you're going to run into that. You know, some people that will just be, you know, derogatory, really, because because they don't understand. Again, the, the, it's easier to to assume than to question. Right. It, similar to what you went through in the first two weeks. Everybody thought that you were a criminal. It's like, well, I'm not a criminal. But even if you said that, they wouldn't believe you because mm-hmm. they just had it implanted in their minds. And so suddenly what we're talking about here, too, is the power of mindset. Because like you said, you said physically your body was in solitary confinement, right? In solitude, but your mind wasn't. And that honestly, I mean, I wish you hadn't taken me 41 fucking years to figure that out. But <laughs> I've come to a realization of like, we talked about one relationship away. But not only that, when you position your mind in the right state, you're literally unstoppable. You can do so much and the human mind is so powerful that most people don't understand. Yeah. And, and go ahead. Sorry. And that's why, you know, people have different and varying degrees of how they define success. And for me and my whole journey for, you know, uh, putting in this blood, sweat and tears and personal <laughs> and spiritual development over the last 12 years, I've determined yeah. my definition of success is to be a master of my mind rather than a slave to it. You know, and, and it's very mm-hmm. powerful because, you know, you can lose everything, but you still have the, the capacity and your experiences builds your mental capacity, your physical capacity, your yeah. spiritual capacity to do more. And, you know, a lot of people, yeah, I know I'm not going to be for everyone, but I, this other quote that I came up with it is I'm not trying to, I don't want to be everything to everyone. I just want to be something to someone and then build from there. 
And the people who do not uh, accept me or think, okay, whatever, you're guilty. You know what? I send love to you because some people are not going to be ready for this. Uh, yeah. I have to say, you know what I mean? And, and send love to them. You know, that's all I can do. In the course of this discussion, you have not only said certain things, but you've illustrated mentalities that I resonate with personally. And one you just said, I don't want to be everything to everyone. I want to be something to someone. And I think we live in a world where, you know, people want to be everything to everyone because they think that that's going to give them closure, comfort, acceptance, validity. It's not. And so, but doing it for one person that really can connect with you is far more powerful. In fact, I've even heard philanthropists and billionaires talk about this. But of course, coming from their mouth is a little different because of influence than from someone like you and me, right? Mm -hmm. I, I want to, so as you were talking about your story, uh, I want to shift a little bit the conversation towards um, the psychic part of things. Mm -hmm. I'm curious in knowing how, how that started. When did you know? You know, it's actually a very hilarious story because I was actually um, with my spiritual teacher and I said, I want to become more spiritually advanced. And he says, uh, you, in order for you to become spiritually advanced, you're going to have to do psychic readings. I'm like, fuck that. I don't even know how to do a psychic reading. Right. I remember sitting like at uh, the boardroom table and my business partner's like, okay, read me. And I was like sweating bullets. And I'm like, I don't know how to read you. He's like, just do it. Okay, fine. So I closed my eyes and I saw a green aura around him. And then spirits started showing me words to describe it. And so I did. And my other friend um, came in the room and he was a healer and I read his aura as well. So I'm like, okay, fine. And then we went out to eat sushi. And uh, my friend was like, how many kids does that guy have? And all of a sudden I saw three energy bodies. And then, um, and throughout the night, and I'm like, oh, I just want to talk to you. I, I'm practicing my spiritual skills. How many kids do you have? And he's like, I don't have any kids. I just married and I have a stepson. I'm mean, yeah, but how many pests do you have? He's like, I have three Pomeraniums. Okay. And then, and then after that, I went to a spiritualist church and my business yeah. partner put my name into an auction and, uh, and then he auctioned off my psychic services, which I'd never done and people were fighting over it. And then, so wow. that's I started doing uh, psychic readings. And I think that was just in 2018, 2017, yeah, 2017. And then, so I was able to see people's past lives and see how um, people have certain triggers in their life, yeah. which is a, a reason why they're having certain challenges and barriers at the future. And so once they are realized that certain trigger, they can see the web of how everything is connected. You know, it's pretty crazy. And then also um, to be able to uncover people's geniuses, like, oh, that, yeah. that is uh, what you would, your purpose or passion could be but sometimes when i say certain things people are like what the fuck because it doesn't really really register of how yeah. it yeah. is and that's why when i work with clients for instance um i had one of my clients in boardroom and then he was sitting there and, and i said are you all right and he's like no i'm fine but i see this hurricane in his body like this i'm like are you okay he's like i'm fine and then i asked him a third time i'm like what's going on like and then he just broke down and cried. So it's almost like you can't hide shit from me because I'll sense it and I feel it. And I also, yeah. it doesn't matter the time or distance of where someone is. Like just if I had a text from my friend and he was in Brazil, I couldn't sleep all night. So I was getting so much visions and everything with him. And I'm like, okay, when you come back to Winnipeg, we got to have dinner. So we did. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on, but I just want to confirm all these things that was going through my mind. I saw this mm -hmm. image you standing on a ledge with a scissor and like you empty in this torso area, trying to fill up things with things, but it was just empty. Like that's all I, I saw and about like your identity and self-love. This is everything I was feeling. And he's like, that's exactly what I was in Brazil for. So, yeah. Okay. So the reason I brought up the psychic is because um, this will be an enlightenment for first time on the show. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious, just, just a glimpse, just a glimpse uh, of what you see and the energy just just in me like in, initial impression and mind you this is completely unbiased i'm just curious because i don't know if i've ever actually done a psychic reading believe it or not really yeah i don't think i mean i've known about them it's just i don't know if i've ever really and the reason i'm asking this is because 
I, I, I'm asking because out of curiosity, I think out of curiosity, because there's been, you know, there's been, I take that back. I might've done that. I might've done one a long time ago. I was too young and I just don't remember it vividly. Uh, but I'm curious because there's been a lot of good things that, that have been happening in my life. And I'm wondering like, is there a contributing factor or is it just my soul or are people like you that, you know, come into my life that create an influence or is it all, all of that? I don't know. I'm curious to get your thoughts. Yeah. Well, it's, it's kind of hilarious because you did really get a, a taste of it when we uh, were talking uh, on WhatsApp where yeah. I kind of saw like the, the road uh, for you to earning eight and nine figures. But what I'm kind of seeing from you when you first asked me that question, what will actually uh, kind of block that is, you know, whether you want to be honest with me or not. And I think if you're real as fuck, you know, there, there's something yeah. still dormant with you in regards to insecurities, you know, insecurities of how you measure up. And I think yeah. those kind of things are going to be a blockage for you to really open up the pathway for abundance. Because the thing is like, you know, I had a conversation with this uh, guy, Nikhil, and he said something so powerful to me. Mm -hmm. He said that abundance already exists and you just have to breathe it in like air. It's just like the sun is shining outside. Yeah. It's either you face it or you turn yourself away from it just and be in darkness. So it's almost like you're the insecurities that you have, like yeah. up because uh, they're showing me still that you still measure up for certain people who are further along where you should, you think you should be. However, right now it's kind of like this, um, they're showing me this word um, incubation where you're being incubated you know what I mean? And prepared yeah. for what it is that you're meant to have. So you do not lose focus for who you are, your essence, your character, um, who you really stand for. Because a lot of times, if you were just to kind of make it, if they were showing me two, three years ago, if you were to propel how those other people propelled, then you would have lost yourself. You know, you would have lost okay. yourself. But now everything that you went through, it's, it's a it is an incubation period but the thing is you're not going to lose yourself but then you have to make sure that you do not measure your your being and your character and your your wealth you know based on these other people yeah now that is and there's definitely truth to that a lot of it um i think the insecurities is uh in part of um the the former bullying experience the insecurities is um there's still a part of that. I, I think I think I mentioned earlier on is spent 10 years after high school, just, you know, making peace with everything that was going in my head. And that I think still, you know, retains some insecurities, but also there's insecurities about questioning my capabilities mm -hmm. because, um, and funny story is when I was born, the nurse that helped deliver me told my mom that I was going to be very lucky in life. And there's literally been a chain of multiple chain of events that are a combination of um, luck, blessing and miracles. And they're just unexplainable. And so I think you're right. Is it's those insecurities of like, you know, stepping up because I'm afraid to step up. But if stepping up is my evolution, like you said, the incubation, the incubation, it's my evolution. I shouldn't be afraid of it. And what's so funny about that is just that I've become more trustworthy of my intuition over the last few years specifically. And last year was the first year that I really stepped up into that. And, you know, that had a huge financial impact, you had a huge impact on, you know, we took our first vacation in three years with my family in the middle of coronavirus, you know, and so you're absolutely right in that regard. You know, I definitely attest to everything that you say, and it actually gives me a lot of hope also because it gives me hope, I think, in a way, because uh, it kind of validates that I am on the right path. Yeah. I just need to trust myself more. Yeah. And there's actually um, an age that they're showing me. They're showing me age um, three to four, but then there's, some, there's more darkness towards that age three. And uh, what they're showing me is you're with uh, the female, but um, your, your hand, I don't know, you're holding her hand, but something 
I don't know, like she, she propelled forward and released your, your graphs and left you behind, you know? So, and then it's almost showing that that was kind of the state of that feeling insecure. It's almost like, you know, you were secure and then they just let go of your hand and you felt insecure and you were kind of lost in that. And usually when that happens, that can be kind of creating your identity. So is there anything coming up to you with uh, the age three and whether that's a female figure, they let go of you or something and that kind of, yeah, I'm feeling a lot of darkness around that, that age for you. Hmm. Well, what you described was actually my, my first wife, believe it or not, because hmm. uh, she was in complete disbelief of anything I did. You know, she thought I was a complete failure. In fact, and uh, hence why we're not married uh, anymore. And uh, my second wife, I've known for almost 11 years now. We've been married for six. And uh, I have a son who's uh, four years old and a daughter who's two. So, but when you were describing all of that, that was, you know, there was about probably a period of one to two years after my first divorce that uh, what you described is literally what happened is that the, the way you described it is that, you know, she kind of left me behind, but I wasn't really behind. I was advancing, but I had uncertainty, insecurities inside myself because I thought that I was in the wrongdoing. So I was finding myself because that's when, you know, I was able to meet my second wife a couple of years later. And that's when my life really started taking a completely different direction. That's when, you know, I knew the family was in sight because I've always wanted a family. I've always wanted kids. It's just finding that right partner, you know, to have those kids with. So, but I don't know about age three because, you know, my, my daughter's going to be three this year in June. So I'm trying to seek the connection there, but what you said about getting left behind, that was literally <laughs> my first marriage. Yeah. But it like, sometimes it doesn't register right away, but like take mm -hmm. time to marinate on it. And when you do kind of find that instance, that's, um, that's, um, that scene or situation when you're that yeah. age, then you can actually see the connections with everything and why you attracted people <laughs> like your wife or certain like things that yeah. kind of made you insecure and let go of of um, let go of that security that you wanted. You yeah. know what I mean? And made you feel insecure, you know, because you want to advance, because you want to be better. And it, it's it's a yeah. You know, when you marinate on it, it uh, the things will come together for you. So one of the questions that, that I have to ask, because, you know, have, having this ability is extraordinary, mm -hmm. obviously, to be able to see that kind of energy. Um, and uh, I've talked to a couple people before that are uh, Reiki, I think, mm -hmm. technically, which I, I don't know if it's kind of similar or not, but um, it's it's. So how do you, how, how are you able to mitigate this energy? How are you able to, um, let's see, let's see how I'm trying to explain this is, so seeing energy in other people and almost being able to foresee certain circumstances, certain chain of events, whether it's in the past or in the future, right? How, how are you able to sleep at night, basically, knowing that you can, you can feel that kind of energy? Yeah, like sometimes it is a bit overwhelming because sometimes when I get into a funk, uh, I'm like, why am I feeling this way? It's because, you know, of taking someone else's energy on. But yeah. the thing I want to tell you is that like, yeah, I do have built-in capabilities. I didn't have to go to school for it. I didn't have to do any yeah. of those things for it. But I want to say that everyone has these capabilities. And the only way for you to really actually be a clearer vessel is to deal with all your trauma, deal with all your shit, and so when you're able to deal all, with all that stuff, then you're, you become a clear vessel and conduit for spirit or infinite intelligence to come through you and be a messenger to the person that you're talking to. And, and mm -hmm. what makes it even stronger is that, you know, when you ask me the questions, I'm not thinking about myself or like, how am I looking? How am I perceiving? Or, or what am I talking about? I'm really focused yeah. on you and your energy. And so, and I think that's what people need to realize is that they need to deal with their inner shit and everybody has these capabilities if they really want to tap into it. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That, that, that was, um, 
that 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 was a really good explanation of it is uh, and you said that i think most most people have that is just like you said becoming a more streamlined vessel of actually embracing that and you know it goes back to what we talked about earlier is this, i think we as human beings really are extraordinary creatures mm-hmm. and we have so much inside of us that uh, it might sound cliche to say that we tap into maybe 10% of our potential, mm-hmm. you know, because when you really do tap into more than hypothetically 10% of your potential is you really see that exceptional leap into becoming not only spiritually, but mentally, but also physically. And I I've kind of gone through similar things myself. I mean, health and fitness has been a huge struggle for me for many years, I feel over the last couple of years, I've like been dialing in and dialing in and dialing in and dialing in. And the more I dial in, the better I get, the better I get, the better I get, the more I realize, like, I'm loving this. Why didn't I do this sooner? You know, so like, certainly you start to put things into perspective and training my mind also, you know, and so amongst different things. And I think, you know, a lot of people just... I think a lot of people either are incoherent or choose not to do those kinds of things. And in in a very much mediocre world that we live in, I think a lot of people settle for less. A lot of people want to accept whatever people tell them, you know, because they think that's just the way things that should be, you know, and similar to your story is that, well, it is what it is, you know, no, it, it, it's not what it is. You know, I have the power to change it, you know. Yeah, and, and the thing is that I, what I want to say is that, you know, a lot of people have past, you know, they, a lot of people deal with trauma and the realization right. made like, you know, over a decade ago is that I'm willing to go through the pain of resolving and forgiving and going through all the shit. What I'm not willing to do is spend my whole life suffering because of it, because yeah. that, that's a choice. And another thing that you said is that, you know, um, about people's ability and their capabilities, you know, you shouldn't underestimate your ability to change this world. Because, you know, there's that saying, you know, a butterfly on one side of the world, flap of his wings, creates a hurricane on the other side of the world. So can your, your thoughts, your ability to share your genius with this world, a simple smile that you're able to give to someone else, like thoughts are like flesh, you know, it, it creates from form formless to form and yeah. we should never underestimate the ability that we have or the capacity or have to make uh, this world a better place. Yeah. And I, I believe it only takes a millimeter shift, you know, that's a, that's a very powerful point. And, um, you know, in, in, in respect of time, cause this conversation can definitely keep going. I think that's the beauty about it is that, you know, when you surround yourself with like-minded people, you know, some amazing conversations happen and, uh, I'm a sucker for conversations. Obviously, this this podcast is a sucker for stories. You know, I want to thank you, you know, for sharing your your story, even though I feel like we've just like barely unpacked it. But uh, if people want to find out more about you, your story, connect with you, uh, what's the best way to reach you, you know, to connect with you out there in the social space? just connect with me on Instagram at Carol Benias and uh, hit me up on my messenger and or Facebook same thing Carol Benias uh, is uh, LinkedIn Carol Benias Twitter um, uh, Carol Benias but I think the best thing is just yeah hit me up on Instagram awesome well Carol I want to thank you so much for first of all being so vulnerable so transparent absolutely love that and and sharing with everybody a little bit about your story Um, you know, congratulations on, on everything uh, that you're doing. Very excited for you and look forward to, uh, you know, seeing you share your story out there in the stratosphere. Yeah, well, thank you so much for your time. And anyone watching or listening, please treat everyone with love, kindness, and compassion. Much love and peace out. <laughs>